scaring is sharing. Hey guys, we're here. We're back. It's your main men, Jeremy the Beef Rusk and and Brandy Joe the something plan back. <laughs> <laughs> the something plan back that uh I, I was just thinking about that the other day jeremy the beef rusk was something at one of my past jobs i was like i need a nickname like i want my voicemail to go like oh, you've reached the God. desk of jeremy the beef rusk and i don't know where the beef came from but that's what i want to call you the beef yeah i wanted people to be like where's the beef <laughs> so then it stuck i started saying it and then my coworker started calling me it and uh it stuck for a minute at that office so wow i'm crazy is what i'm trying to say i would say so hello everyone yeah. welcome to scaring is sharing this is the show where we share scares with you with each other with the world and we talk about everything horror horror oh the horror the terror and the horror the terror and the horror that's right jeremy how was your week uh not too bad uh i had some days off work and you know just using some vacation time for hanging out a little staycation and uh nice trying to watch some movies here and there Heck yeah. I'm an agency employee, so I don't actually get vacation days, but I get like all of the Ford holidays off. Um, Some of them I get paid, some of them I don't, but it's fine. Um, So I don't have, but everyone else this time of year is like, oh, I got to take all my vacation time. So they're, you know, taking weeks off and things like that. Yeah, that's my world right now. Yeah, well, good for you. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's nice at the end of the year to, to like it, it's the kind of thing where i'm like i don't usually think about taking vacation like in summer i do like a vacation sure. uh, and then it's just back to work and then at the end of the year you're like oh shit i have a bunch of vacation days to use before i lose them so i gotta throw them all on you know wherever i can at the end of the year so but like you were saying like anytime i have vacation time off or just days off i like to watch movies I want to watch some movies. I want to get as many in as I can. Oh, it's just, it's just fun. So what have you been watching? I, uh, okay. Last night, Sarah and I watched uh, The War of the Worlds, the 50s, the original War of the Worlds. Um, and like how long after the radio broadcast did that happen? Do you know? 20 years, maybe. Okay. Because wow. the radio broadcast was what, the 30s, I think? Maybe sure. the 40s? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Early, early 40s, perhaps. Uh, so a good, you know, decade and a half after, I think, okay. is the movie. But uh, it, it's a, uh, the Criterion Collection just put it out in a nice, you know, new transfer and all that. So nice. I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. It was one of those favorites uh, from my childhood. Uh, it, it was one of those movies that my parents grew up on. Uh, so when it would be on TV, it's like, hey, like the, th- like the thing, um, or like a Godzilla movie or like, you know, these old science fiction movies when they were on TV, they'd be like, here, watch this. You'll, you'll enjoy this. And uh, War of the Worlds. Yeah, it it was, uh, I think it was still fun to watch. You know, it's in Technicolor. Uh, I definitely still prefer the old one over the Steven Spielberg remake with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember enjoying that very much. Dakota Fanning. Yeah. It's not a terrible movie per se. I just don't think it was very like special. And I mean, mean? it has, it has Tom Cruise in it. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, the one from the fifties has just got all that fun old, I am a scientist and I'm here to figure out what's going on. (laughs) You know, it's just a lot of fun. But yeah, I watched that. I threw some God, I got uh, through some Godzillas since our last episode. I was in the mood to watch some more. 
Uh, I did Godzilla versus Destroya, which is a uh, one from the 90s. That's the one where Godzilla dies at the end. Uh, Doesn't he die at the end of the one we Well, I guess he decides at the end of the original. Uh, But then he was around for a long time, and this was a big deal in the 90s uh, because they were like, we're killing him again for, you know. He's like Jason Voorhees. Exactly. They're like, we're going to kill him and we're going to stop making movies for a while. And it's got like actually kind of a poignant ending. Essentially, sorry guys, spoilers. Godzilla has a heart attack, more or less, because his, his nuclear heart is melting down. Oh, was it because of love? Did he have a love interest? Well, his son does or... die. Uh, oh, that's, by the that'll bad, do it. The bad monster kills him, destroy ya. Uh, okay. And then Godzilla dies, but his nuclear energy goes and resurrects his son as a new Godzilla. Uh-huh. Uh, cycle of life, but those right. those are some those are some crazy ones. I hadn't watched the uh, the nineties like Japanese Godzilla movies in a while, uh, and they're pretty crazy. Like they do some nuts, a uh, lot of explosions, colorful, just rays shooting everywhere, monsters eating people. Uh, it's it's wild stuff, but a lot of fun. Okay. But one thing I did watch that sent me on this whole journey into my past. Uh, was Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that one. I've only seen the first two and bits and pieces of the others, and I may have. Is that the, is there a club scene? As yes. Go? Okay. That's the one at the nightclub. Um, yeah, Hellraiser, the original Hellraiser is like one of my all-time favorite movies. So good. And Frank so is good. just so hot. Two is really good. I don't know. It, it's not as good, but I think it's a really cool Agreed. sequel. Yeah. Uh, and then f- now I have seen three all the way through. Uh, I've seen parts of four and then going forward, I've only seen. It's a series kind of like Children of the Corn, where yeah. I have very little familiarity with like the dozen freaking sequels they made afterwards. So, um, And I just kind of wrote most of them off as garbage because that's always what I've heard is a lot of them are just crap. Yeah. Um, Doug Bradley, though, as Pinhead, I think is like one of the greatest horror actors ever. So great. Uh, that voice. Yeah, the voice and like his performance is always fantastic as Pinhead in every movie. And the last one, didn't they use a different person for Pinhead? I feel like there's been one or two. With... There's been two now that have a different okay. actor. Because uh, Doug Bradley has been saying that he'll only do it again uh, once Clive Barker is on board. Because uh, they've been doing a, a ton of them now without Clyde Barker involved yeah. at all. So, but they're supposed to be doing a TV series or something. And that's what I heard on HBO yeah. or something. Yeah, on HBO. So, but anyway, uh, Hellraiser three. So I'm watching it because uh, I found it on one of my streaming services that you know I subscribe to so many I can't keep track anymore. But right. found it on one of them and started watching it. Um, and it's a movie where like the first. 10 to 20 minutes i'm like okay i've seen this stuff like must have watched part of it on netflix and never finished it or something like that um and then it got into some bits where i'm like this is not familiar at all i don't think i've ever seen this whole movie all the way through uh so i'm watching like okay this is you know this one is a middle of the road like i can see why this one is like the last good one (laughs) and then after that uh they just drop off in quality uh but there was this moment in the middle of the movie where it was a scene where it triggered like a vivid flashback for me. I don't know if you've ever had this where- Like an acid flashback? Not almost, (laughs) but it sent me back to like my childhood where I'm like, I distinctly now remember seeing this movie. Like watching, I watched it on television 
uh, at my buddy's house, like at a sleepover. And for some reason, just this one scene, like triggered it in my brain. Like, I remember this. I remember all of this, like this next 20 minute segment of the movie. Like we watched this uh, at like my best buddy growing up's house uh, on sci-fi channel. I know that for sure. It had to have been the sci-fi channel. Uh, and this is where I went off on a voyage because, you know, I watched it. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that they played this on sci-fi. Like, we watched it together. Uh, so I went on the internet and I'm like, Hellraiser 3, sci-fi channel. Has anybody, like, talked about the fact that, like, when sci-fi channel started, they played uh, the Hellraiser movies all the freaking time. That's how I know what they are and, you know, some other stuff. But I found this website where somebody compiled all of the schedules from the sci-fi channels beginning in like 1994 when it launched until now and it has every schedule they of everything they ever played that's amazing yeah so i went on a deep dive through the late 90s into the early 2000s like reading through the schedules and i'm like yeah this is it i watched (laughs) sci-fi channel so much as a kid i'm like that's how i saw all these classic horror movies not so classic monster movies like twilight zone it's how i got into like practically everything i love now i'm like it was because of this freaking cable network (laughs) were you able to pinpoint the exact day and time that you watched hellraiser 3 did not find it i was going through i couldn't find it i found a couple of marathons that i was like oh shit i watched this that day like in 1999 on like a saturday like i had it triggered another memory, which was somewhere in my parents' house, there is a tape where I used to record these movies off of TV, of course, with my little VCR. Because right. uh, I found a schedule where I'm like, oh my God, I, I have the movie Reptilicus oh. recorded off Sci-Fi Channel. It's essentially Godzilla, but it's a Danish movie. It was made in Denmark. And it's a ripoff of Godzilla with a giant, like, dragon marionette puppet destroying Copenhagen. Uh, It's so bad, it's hilarious. In fact, Mystery Science Theater 3000, in their revival, they did an episode of it. But I've been watching Reptilicus since since before that, and I loved it because it was hilarious. (laughs) But on the same tape, I also have The Omen with Gregory Peck, (laughs) where I'm like, because they played in a block together for some reason it was just like here's some crap here's some prestige picture and i'm like this is why i am the way i am had a revelation (laughs) i'm like it's because i was watching cable where they gave you here's some schlock here's something classy uh and that's like that's my taste ever since i'm like this is why this happened it's how i can watch a rubber suited monster movie and then turn around and watch you know one of the all-time greats and just they're all the same to me i love them all equally I couldn't deal with the commercials. Like even before DVR, I just was not into that. And also I wasn't into cut up horror where you couldn't see all of the blood and the nudity. Like I wanted it, if I was going to have it, I wanted it the way it was intended to be seen. You know, it's funny too. I think about that and I'm like, well, I was just so starved, I think for anything that I'm like, even on TV cut up a little bit. I'm like, I still got to watch this thing. Sure. Uh, because we didn't we didn't get the premium cable when I was a kid. We just had <laughs> regular ass cable. So it's like I had to make do with what I had. But no, it was it was funny to just really think about that. And I'm like, wow, this one cable network for years just dominated my viewing habits because they played everything I liked. Uh, so it was like permanently on the Sci-Fi Channel. This is before they changed it, you know, to S Y F 
Y or however they misspell right. it now. And it's not nearly as good a network as it, it was, you know, 20 years ago. But um, yeah, that was the rabbit hole I went down all because of Hellraiser 3. And I was just like, what the fuck, Hellraiser 3? You know, triggering my memories. I watched some great and some not great movies this week. Oh, okay. So I'll start with the great. I watched Brian Bertino's new movie, The Dark and the Wicked. He directed The Strangers and The Monster. Mm-hmm. I heard about this movie. It's kind of like a haunted farm tale. Mm. And I loved it. Um, Those are ghost chickens. I'm not going to tell you. I hope so. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, if you don't watch it at some point, I'm sure I'm probably going to give it to you just because I, I really enjoyed it. Okay. I also watched Empedagor, which is the Indonesian flick. It's on, um, it's on Shudder. And it kind of came out in the news this week that Indonesia is submitting it as their pick for the Oscars for foreign film this year. Oh, and whoa. it's straight up ho- horror. That's unusual for the Oscars. Yeah, there's another film that the director did called Satan's Slaves, which is also on Shutter that I've not seen. That I've heard about too, which is a remake. Satan's Slaves or the original. There's, a, there's an original and there's a remake. I think he did the most recent one within the okay. last, I don't know, five, seven years, I think. Sure, sure. So if that is the case, I imagine it's the remake. Mm-hmm. Um. And Empedagor was awesome. So good. Again, I may just give it to you someday, unless you watch it beforehand, in which case, just tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. But it's great. Um, The other thing I watched that was awesome was Joe was like, are you watching Eli Roth's History of Horror? And I was like, I forgot that the second season was on because I did watch the first season and enjoyed it. So I devoured those six episodes in like a day. Mm. Um, And it was fun. They had topics like killer kids, witches, body horror, and... I just love that show. I'm not, like, I think Eli Roth is kind of hot. And, like, I like Hostel. I don't like Cabin Fever. Um, I can't, I don't like um, The Green Inferno. I thought it was horrible. Um, But I think he's hot. So, like, I I don't mind looking at him. Um, But I do appreciate, since he's kind of high profile, he gets big names on there. They're not, like, you know, these... The, the writer for some horror movie from 20 years ago that no one really knows their name. It's like Stephen King and Jamie Lee Curtis. Like he gets, you know, and Rob Zombie, he gets. Yeah. Big names. So that you want to talk to. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And um, I highly recommend it. I think the, the second season just wrapped recently. So you can probably watch it on demand and things like that. Yeah. I um, Eli Roth. I did enjoy hostel one and two uh, cabin fever. I've eh. I'm 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 the I'm the uh, I'm the heretic that I thought Cabin Fever two was better than Cabin Fever one. I am with you, Jeremy Rusk. No one enjoy, and it's Ty West, isn't it? Ty, it, West Ty West's West. first movie. I um, wholeheartedly agree with you. It's funnier. Cabin it's Fever two is so much better than the first one, and I love the lead. Um, his name's escaping me right now. Yep, uh, the lead guy in Cabin Fever two. I know he pops up in Ryan uh, Johnson's work because he's buddies with him. Uh, and it like goes Looper to like, and... it goes to like a high school, right? Isn't yeah, there, it's a prom. Like, there's like a prom. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just funny and crazy and amps it up. It turns it into kind of like a zombie movie instead of just a virus movie. Noah Segan. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. I adore he's, him. He, he's a great, great character actor. Oh yeah. He's a Knives Out. Super cute. Super yeah. He, he was, uh, he was boy blue in Looper. Uh, I've not seen that. Looper is a fun time travel head fuck. 
Um, Kid Blue, it says here. Oh, sorry, Kid Blue. He was Kid <laughs> Blue, which is just this great, you know, supporting character. He's an asshole uh, that you're just like, you have fun watching bad things happen to him through the movie. One fun. of those characters where you're like, ah, you'll never catch Bruce Willis, you fool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Cabin Fever 2, yeah, much better than the first one. I totally agree. Green Inferno, I remember seeing it in theaters and like being down for the like the gore of it because I was just yep. like, it's been a while since there was a movie that was just flat out like, this is horrifically gory. Uh, but it's just like not a great, I've never revisited it. I've only watched it the one time and never went back. Yeah, so. I thought the kids were so annoying. I was like, please eat them already. Yes. The, the writing wasn't great. That's the thing. I don't think the writing in his films is particularly strong. I don't think he directed it. Maybe he produced it. There was that one earthquake movie. Mm, Aftershock or something. Yeah, Eli Roth was attached to it. It was like made in South America or something. I thought it was fucking terrible. Sorry, if anybody loves that movie, I thought it was horrible. It was about an earthquake and like people getting stuck in some city during an earthquake. See, I totally liked the first Hostel. I loved that it was sort of subverted from how you normal, normally see those movies. Like the men were sort of the prey. And I just appreciated that sort of twist where normally you're always seeing the females mm-hmm. that they're going after them. And that's why I hated the second one. It felt misogynistic to me i don't know i i did not care for it at all it made me uncomfortable and not in like a good way i like to be uncomfortable like when it's like oh this is so creepy or gross but it just rubbed me the wrong way i just mm-hmm. did not i did not care for it it made me i was like oh well everything i liked about the first one this is not that <laughs> and then and then three was just not good yeah, I didn't see it. I know a guy who's in it, um, but I have never been interested enough to see it. It's like in Vegas, right? Yeah, it's in Vegas. Uh, Eli Roth, I think, was just a producer on it. Mm-hmm. Not really involved beyond that. And it's just kind of like, you can see them slowly dumbing the concept down to the nth degree of just like, get them in Vegas. We're just going to keep putting them in different cities and killing them in repeatedly repetitive ways, and that's it. Uh, History of Horror, though, uh, I've been listening to the podcast version. Oh, interesting. Uh, because the uh, showrunner, his name's escaping me, but uh, he puts out, he takes the interviews that you see in the show, uh, and he takes the uncut interview and releases okay. each one as an episode of the podcast. So there's like one where it's like an hour-long conversation with Rob Zombie. Uh, and then there's another one where it's like an hour long with Ken Foray, just talking about his career. Uh, Sweet. And, and in the show, of course, those are chopped up into little, you know, sound bites and put into the show, little clips in the show. But you get to the podcast is just the entire unedited interview with each person. So uh, there's one with Barbara Crampton that was, you know, just out. So uh, that's cool. Haven't watched the show yet, but I hear it's great. So yeah, I should really is. check it out. And the movie I watched that I ultimately turned off so I didn't fully watch it was a movie called The Giant. I watched a trailer because mm. I you know, I'm, love trailers. I'm a total addict for them. And it looked interesting and sort of brooding. You couldn't really tell if it was totally horror related or not, but it seemed like maybe, or there was like a killer. So I started watching it. And first of all, I had to have on the subtitles because all of these kids talked so quietly. You just could not understand what they were saying. And I, I'm not losing my hearing. Um, I just was like, <laughs> what are you mumbling about over there? 
So I turned that on, but I just, it was just so into itself. It was so pretentious and just annoying. And I watched about 30 minutes and I was like, yeah, I would rather do something better with my time than this. Mm. So I don't recommend The Giant, but if you liked it, you know, tell us why you did like it. Yeah, defend your opinion. That's right. Um, speaking of that, um, we do have a new terrorgram this week. Yay! Yes. So let me go ahead and read that. Another um, terrorgram. <laughs> <laughs> do that crypt keeper every time, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It reads. Hello, Brandy, Joe, and Jeremy. Loving the first few episodes. Thanks for the great shares so far. I was not super into horror growing up, so hearing about all the films I've missed out on is great. My favorites have always been monster movies. Tremors is my first scary movie memory and holds a special place in my heart after seeing it a bunch on TV growing up. I'm curious, what are your favorite monster movies or horror movies that feature monsters? Thanks for the podcast, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Alan. And I'm sure he watched it on the Sci-Fi channel. That's what I bet he watched. Yeah, it was probably either Sci-Fi or like TNT, I bet. Like one of those (laughs) used to, or no, no, no. USA Network used to play it all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tremors, actually, Alan. Tremors is one of my all-time favorites as well. Um, And it is an early memory for me, too. Tremors is weirdly one of those movies that became like a family favorite of my whole family. Like if it was on TV, like everybody gather around, Tremors is on, and we would watch it. I've never seen it. It's horrible. Oh, oh shit. I know. I might have to give it to you sometime. But yeah, Tremors and Tremors 2 is not as good as the first one, but it still holds a special place in my heart. Um, and you know, they've made like the seventh like fucking Tremors movie is out now on Netflix. And I just keep watching them. They're the same thing over and over, but you know, they're fun. Is it a TV series as well? It, it had two. Uh, there was okay. one. There was one TV series that ran for like a season or so, and then they did a pilot uh, where Kevin Bacon came back, uh, but that did not get picked up for series. So there's a okay. pilot. There's a pilot floating around out there. Um, but yeah, I love Tremors. Uh, I love all the Universal monsters: the Wolfman, the Mummy, all those guys. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Big Godzilla guy, of course, as we're learning, um, especially those classic ones from like the 60s and 70s period where he just became a superhero uh, and started saving Japan from monsters. Uh, I'm trying to think. I like a lot of the classic guys. Gamera in line with Godzilla. Gamera, <laughs> the giant. I'm not familiar. He is a, uh, it was a rival studio to Toho um, that was making the Godzilla movies. This other studio created Gamera, who was a giant turtle. Uh, and did a, virtually the same things as Godzilla. Just fought other monsters, and uh, they're they're like even hokier versions of Godzilla. But I love Gamera. Uh, he's friend to all children. Oh, is he? He is. Uh, which can be, you know, Gamera, get away from those kids. We don't know what you're up to, but he is friend to all children. Uh, and yeah, those are some monsters I like. I don't know. Zombies are cool too. You know. When I think of, I mean, for some reason, the first thing that comes to mind to me is Gremlins. <laughs> I oh, love shit. Gremlins. Yeah, yeah, Did I love you Gremlins too. That? That's a monster movie, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love um, Gremlins too. Yeah, I, need, I know we talked about it uh, like a week or two ago, but I need to see Gremlins 2 again. Yeah. Because um, I don't remember it at all, but I love the first one. Mm-hmm. 
they're both great. I love both of those movies. They're, they factor very big into my uh, childhood. Is Beetlejuice a monster? I don't know. There's so many where I'm like, is that a monster? Like, is yeah. the Babadook a monster? Because if so, the Babadook's my favorite oh, monster movie. Oh, hell yeah. The Babadook's a monster. <laughs> I'm calling it. Babadook's a monster. <laughs> yeah, I love the Babadook. Um, and you haven't seen the movie The Monster that I talked about, or Brian Bertino's movie, right? No, 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 no. Okay. It's pretty cool. Um, and I, I mean, as much as I'm, I'm not a fan of where it ultimately goes, I'm a big Cloverfield fan just because I was so fucking hyped for that movie. I was so excited. I got a little bit into all the social marketing of it that was so cool. Um, I, I don't like the movie as a whole, but I think like that first, like, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes is so awesome. There's mm-hmm. some really great moments. But yeah, you definitely have talked a lot about this particular subject in like the, our last episode with Godzilla and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love some monsters. Um, trying to think if there's anybody I'm losing. Oh, how could I forget King Kong? Of course. Yeah. You know, that's that was a big one from my childhood. I mean, there's been various versions of questionable quality, but you know, King Kong, he's one of the best. And taking it into real life and a little more nebulous here because I don't know how many great movies starring Bigfoot or Sasquatch, <laughs> if you will, there are. But that's like my favorite monster of all time, the Sasquatch. Um, there was that most recent one that's like a, a found footage um, movie it, that came out. Exists? Willow Creek. Willow Creek. I loved Willow Creek. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it straight up feels like a Blair Witch ripoff, like most of these found footage, but I, oh, sure. I did enjoy it. I did it, think it was Yeah, Willow good. Creek is a lot of fun. Uh, spoilers, you don't actually see the monster. But, uh, and Bobcat Goldthwaite wrote and directed it. Right. It's so uh, strange. Because he's an awesome like indie filmmaker now. Uh, but he's also a legit Bigfooter, they're oh. called. He goes okay. out and looks for Bigfoot. Uh as a hobby. So uh, he brought like realistic, um, cause some of the people in that movie are real Bigfoot people. Oh, cool. Uh, like the guys he interviews, those are real guys from the Bigfoot community that okay. are out there documenting it and looking for it and all that. So he brought an authenticity to it. But of course, Henry, uh, Harry and the Hendersons is oh. like the greatest Bigfoot movie, not a horror yeah. movie, but still a monster movie. Uh, for sure. And it's, it's, that's a classic right there. Well, thanks for writing in, Alan. And please, if you would like to write us and tell us what you love, ask us what we love, although we tell you every week, um, you can write us at scaringissharing at gmail.com or hit us up on the Insta, which our Insta handle, if that's what it's still called, is scaringissharing, all one word. Um, I have one other little bit of news. I don't know if you had heard about it this week or not, but did you hear there was this guy named Anthony Woodle and he was um, sick. I believe he had cancer. Of course, that's the one aspect I didn't write down. But he was a hardcore Halloween fan. And Jamie Lee Curtis married he and his girlfriend, Emily, an hour before he passed away. Yeah, I, I saw this story. I got a little choked up reading about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was like, oh. And he got yeah. to watch the early cut of Halloween Kills. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend now wife said that was the most i've seen him smile during and after the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> god no just like the sweetest fucking thing a devastating story but uh jamie lee curtis is just an awesome person what's his name david gordon green that directed the movie what a stand-up dude as well yeah uh, he's yeah. awesome 
Yeah, just all the everybody involved on the in the Halloween camp. You're like, these are just this is what you want to see. Uh, you want your heroes to be good people. <laughs> you want your horror heroes to be decent people. A hundred percent. And of course, it makes sense that like they would come. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is just the shit. She, I mean, yeah, she's just consistently a cool, cool person. Yep. So I thought that was incredibly sweet. And, you know, the horror, the horror industry, the the fans, the super fans, the people involved, like, you know, they're they're there for each other. And I like that. I love it. It's a real community. Um, and speaking of old stars, too, I saw that um, the news is that Robert England, Freddy Krueger himself, was just cast in the new season of Stranger Things. Yes. Which is cool as hell that I love that they're really just wearing their 80s horror influences on their sleeves for that show and just keep bringing in more. Fuck yeah. More genre veterans each season. My husband and I are, have started the Goldbergs. Um, it's one of our quarantine shows we watch every day for lunch mm-hmm. um, after we got through the middle, which is a fabulous show. Um, mm-hmm. So we're watching the Goldbergs and I'm particularly excited because I know he makes an appearance on there. As, as Freddy Krueger. And the show itself is so great. So please go watch it. And I will definitely let you know once I get to that episode because I cannot wait. Cool. I've seen um, random episodes of that show. My parents watch it sometimes. So I've it's seen awesome. it in, in their vicinity. And I'm like, this is a very funny show. I need to actually sit down and watch it all right well let's share our scares with each other yeah let's do it yeah i'm ready who's going first this week you go first this week okay well keeping in with uh you know my theme i said i was gonna i'm sending you to the land of the rising sun you sure did japan um and this week and i think you said you've never seen this i don't think it was on the list so i'm kind of going out on a limb here uh but i am going to give you the 70s flick House or Haosu in Japanese, if I'm butchering that. Sorry, my Japanese is a little rusty to <laughs> quote Raymond Burr, but uh, yeah, House. Awesome. From the 70s. Um, do you know anything about this movie? Okay, I'll tell you what I do know about it. I know that there's, I think, a weird cat. I know some, I think some schoolgirls go to the, I th- end up at this weird house and it's just like the weirdest shit happens there. I feel like there's something with a cat. Um, in my mind, it's like a, a, a weird haunted house movie. They go into some sort of alternate sort of dimension. I think it's just uh, a wild collection of the most bizarre weird shit from what I understand. I know that I think I mentioned before in an early episode, I think we talked about this and I said, I, I wish I still did drugs because this would be the movie I think to do it. But I've also been told um, even if you don't do drugs, when you watch this movie, you'll feel like you're on drugs. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to um, reliving the glory days. <laughs> yeah. This, this movie. Um, and in case anybody's confused, there is a, American movie from the 80s called House. Oh, I have seen that. And that's a, that, that actually, there you go for it. That movie's got monsters in it. Uh, and that is a monster, early monster movie memory of mine. Cause I remember catching it on like a Saturday afternoon matinee and being utterly fucking terrified of that movie. Cause they do some weird puppety monster effects in it. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. it, it it's fun. It, it's, it's not a great movie, uh, but it's a great B movie with lots of goofy costumes. Uh, so check out the 80s house as well. Uh, totally different though from this one. This is from 1977 in Japan. Um, the funny thing about this movie too is I feel like it's like all the rage now in America. I feel like it was probably 
if not totally unknown, it was really obscure until about 10 years ago. I was just looking it up really quick. And it looks like in 2010 is when the Criterion Collection or uh, what is it, Janus Films, I believe is their, uh, their actual theatrical uh, distrib- distribution arm. Uh, they started really playing it uh, for exhibitions, you know, in the US and suddenly everyone was talking about this movie in America about like 10 years ago. Uh, so yeah, I didn't know about it until they did something with it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I watched a thing on the internet of Bill Hader from SNL talking about how much he loves this movie. So I guess I need to check it out. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it'll blow your mind. I'm just going to say that. So I think that the girls are going to stumble into this house. Maybe they had a broke down bus or something. They're looking for help. I think there's going to be a creepy old lady. I'm calling it right now. Some creepy old woman. And I think they're all going to die in really bizarre, strange ways. Um, and I think there's going to be a lone survivor. That's what I'm calling right now. Uh, I need to rewatch this too, uh, because <laughs> I don't remember if you're right or not. <laughs> this is a movie where, oof, the plot, I barely remember it. Okay. Even immediately after watching it, you're like, what just happened? So well, I'm excited. It's been on my radar for a long time. And on a, I would like to watch that. So I'm glad to indulge you. <laughs> and maybe I'll like it better than, uh, you know, Godzilla. We'll see. Godzilla, Hopefully. king of the monsters, I should, um, you know, clarify. To clarify, not yeah. the original <laughs> Godzilla, but uh, king of the monsters, yes. Cool. Well, the movie I'm going to give to you I'm ready. is 2018's Cam. Cam. C-A-M. Cam. Cam. Like, short for Cameron, I assume. It's a movie about a person named Cameron. Okay. Um... And, you know, Cameron just lives a, <laughs> just lives a boring existence uh, until one day Cameron finds a camera, perhaps. <laughs> uh, and on that camera, he finds a recording of a murder. Uh, and then somehow the murderer knows he has it and tries to get at Cameron. That's what I think it's about. I'm just, I know absolutely it. nothing about this fucking movie. Uh, That's I think amazing. I've heard, I think I've heard the, ta- the, the, the uh, title before. Um, maybe it's about cam girls. I have an alternate uh, idea now too, where it's about cam girls and one of them gets murdered on, during one of her shows and people see it. <laughs> well, I love that you know zero zilch about zero. that. Zero, I know zilch. So, uh, yeah, so it's either about cam girls getting murdered or it's about a man named Cameron with a camera. (laughs) Or maybe it's all of the above. Maybe it's everything. Well, I'm excited then. Well, awesome. Well, we'll be back here shortly and we'll discuss what we thought of these shares. Oh, hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Can't wait. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. They're here. We're back. Hi. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Did you miss us over those 30 seconds? <laughs> I, I hope they did. I hope everybody actually pauses it and then goes to watch the movies. Oh my God, isn't that sound like a back. dream? That would be great, but you know, 
who knows? <laughs> Nico asked me if it was just a ploy or if we actually did take a break to watch the movies, if it was just pretend. But it's, it's a, real. It's a ploy. We tricked <laughs> you, Nico. It is a real thing. No, we really do. These are like days apart. They Time has days. passed in our lives since right. the first half of this episode. We're older today than we were the last time. Yeah, it's sad, really. <laughs> Every second is a step closer to dying. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> great minds, great minds. <laughs> Jeremy, let's talk about these movies. Yeah, let's do it. So I guess we're talking about mine first. So House or Hausu, is that how I pronounce it? Yeah, Hausu, I guess, in Japanese. Sure. All right. My so Japanese me... is a little bit rusty. <laughs> Thank you, Burr. Raymond Burr? Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr. All right, let me read the summary from Letterboxd. Yes. Hoping to find a sense of connection to her late mother, Gorgeous takes a trip to the country to visit her aunt at their ancestral home. She invites her six friends, Prof, Melody, Mac, Fantasy, Kung Fu, and Sweet to join her. The girls soon discover that there is more to the old house than meets the eye. <laughs> it's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. <laughs> Okay, Jeremy, this definitely has to be one of the biggest WTF movies ever. Yes. In the best way. Yes, it's amazing. But what the fuck, man? Like rewatching this, it'd been a few years since I sat through this. Uh, and I was like, God, I forgot that none of this makes any sense. Like the plot is super hard to follow if there really is one. Uh, that summation, that summary... I was like, is that what was happening? Because you don't get a lot of that from just watching the movie, so. Yeah, it was a trip, to say the least. Um, I, like, it took me, like, I started to write down each of the girls and, like, a, a quality about them so I would remember who they are. Like, I wrote, Mac, fatty, kung fu, manly girl, melody, plays piano, <laughs> sweet, cleans, prof, glasses, fantasy, loves Mr. Togo. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to keep track. You got all these girls. I mean, I mean, what'd you think? It, it's really hard to like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember what you said for a plot. Um, I can tell you, I said um, something with a weird cat. Some girls yeah. go to a weird house. Weird shit happens. It's a weird haunted house movie. Um, you were right. And yeah, all of those things. I said there'd all be those a creepy, a creepy old woman <laughs> yeah. and that they would die in bizarre ways and that there'd be a lone survivor. So... I pretty much nailed all of those things. You did. You did. Uh, the Lone Survivor. I don't even know where to begin with this thing. There's just <laughs> too much going on. Uh, Let's so start I guess, with the music. Because the music yeah. was so great. It's so great. It's so jarring. Because uh, it does not sound like horror movie music. It's just this sweet piano medleys. I love the main, the house throughout. melody or whatever you call it. Like yeah. the one she plays on the piano and the one that sort of repeats throughout the movie is, it's so awesome. I love it. And yeah, I loved cool. all the, the cheesy 70s music. Like it kept reminding me of the first porn I ever saw, which was Deep Throat, which mm. is like such a silly movie. Like it does all these weird things. 
Mm-hmm. Like my dad had it. Like it was like, you know, the top of the closet. It was like definitely the first porn I ever watched. And like for me to think that's what porn is. I mean, it definitely is a porn, yeah. but just like that hokey music with just like weird characters, oh, yucking it up. Yeah. And um, so much of that was this, like when they were getting ready to board the bus and there's like that little girl, I think sitting with like a guy and they're like, doing something with like the buckets and uh-huh. everyone's getting ready to board and then that mr togo like whoa falls down the stairs and uh, it, yeah it gets stuck in a bucket gets stuck in a bucket and like slides around and you're just like what is happening is all it? all the fucking mr togo scenes i kept for i forgot all about them rewatching it and i was like oh yeah they're in there they have nothing to do with anything else that's going on so it's like what the hell like i don't know what those are supposed to be. He gets turned into like <laughs> bananas, I guess, or like starts screaming bananas uh, when the watermelon man, you yep. know, is, scares him. And then he glitches out in like a way that uh, uh, like Tim and Eric's awesome show <laughs> does on uh, Adult Swim where, where they would take, uh, they, uh, hopefully people listening might know, but part of their comedy, their style is called anti-comedy. Uh, and they had, uh, a TV show on Adult Swim uh, where they purposefully made it as if it was a cable access, like no budget thing. Love that. But, but they would do these intentional, like the thing glitches out and repeats a scene like over and over and over really fast. And it's like, they do that a lot in this movie where I'm like, okay, that's like fucking with my head watching this. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I started to have to write down things that happened so I wouldn't forget them. Like the chandelier makes a crystal impale a lizard and Kung Fu flies. It Max kicks it head. out of the air. <laughs> it kicks the crystal it, right. out of the air. Yeah. Max head bites fantasy's butt. <laughs> Kung Fu in the wood. She's awesome. The ant goes into the fridge and then she winks at us. <laughs> Just yeah. Like, and the all ant, the crazy things. Did the ant actually exist? Like rewatching this? I'm like, because... It seems like at the end, uh, who's the lead one? Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Is gorgeous, yeah. like, is her aunt, I guess, or something? I feel like they're... in the mirror, she, be, like, becomes her. Yeah, they're, like, ghosts or something. I don't know. The ending, and then the stepmom comes and just gets vaporized. Like the Yeah, I was trying to come up with, like, what is it say? Like, what is it saying? What are its themes? Because I wondered if there was something to the stepmom coming and then dying like only is like something about true love or i don't know i don't know that there's any trying to make sense of it all is yeah a pointless gesture i I did some reading uh on the production to uh to try and get a little more clarity uh i think the most bizarre thing about this movie is that well toho our friends at toho who gave us godzilla you know they were i wrote that that down yes did this movie too uh they had some producers that they saw Jaws happen in the U.S. Uh, and they were like, we need a Jaws in Japan. We need a movie that's a summer blockbuster. That's like a roller coaster ride that people love. Like, let's make that. And for some reason, they got involved with uh, the director of this movie. His name, o- Obayasha, I think is his last name, uh, who was known. This was his first like feature length like normal mainstream movie, if you can call it that, but he was an experimental filmmaker. And that really, really shows through here. (laughs) Yeah. 
he worked in like advertising and experimental film. So you can see like those sensibilities here. But I guess he, there's like a, it just gets weirder and weirder the more I read about it. He had decided that uh, like horror movies, whatever, uh, were boring with that were made by adults because adults he's like adults think of boring things and they have like boring ideas so he talked to his 11 year old daughter and had her collaborate on the script and she came up with some of the wackier ideas that happen in this movie that that tracks yeah it, it tracks 100 <laughs> percent. and then toho was okay with it because they they were so desperate for something different uh because i guess they'd been making movies that just were not hitting with the public. So they said, we wasted so much time and money on comprehensible films. Let's put out an incomprehensible film and see what happens. Uh, and it was a huge hit. This movie was a giant hit in Japan. Kids, especially kids, like the youth culture loved it. Um, so it worked. <laughs> yeah. So the craziest death has to be the death by piano. Yeah, it's so cool. That's so cool. Really, this is a movie of just like random scenes that are really cool. And the rest of it is like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But yeah, the death by piano. It's so uh, funny because it like the piano eats her fingers. She lifts up her hands and she's like amused by it. And then yes. when it bites off her hand, she freaks out. And I'm like, oh, now you're freaking out. <laughs> now you're freaked out. And then she gets sucked into it and all like. I love the end of that scene too, where the fingers are dancing on the keyboard and then it like slams shut on them. Yeah, what that scene started to remind me of was Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Like a sense of just like sort of madness and humor and just like bizarre, weird things happening like within a house. Like it just, like I was just getting, like I was like, I wonder if he was a big fan of this film. Although it would have probably been hard to have watched back then, like, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure when it ever, uh, if it ever made it to America yeah, in like until the decades the before the 2000. Yeah, yeah, Criterion got it. Actually, um, I think I read somewhere, somebody has a blurb comparing this movie to Evil Dead. I can't remember who it was, but said like, that's probably the closest thing in the US to this. I totally felt that. Not at first, but it started to creep in. Oh yeah, yeah, as it goes on and gets a little crazier. There is, uh, speaking of Criterion, uh, I know on their DVD, uh, you might be able to find it on YouTube maybe, but on their DVD, there was a uh, special feature uh, that was a, uh, an appreciation video, if you will, done by Ty West. Oh, wow. For this movie. And it's just him talking about how much he loves this movie. Um, but it, he's got a line in there where he says something along the lines of, House is a movie that resembles a horror movie, but it is functionally not a horror movie when you're watching it. It's something else. It's, you know, removed from the genre. And I, I felt that again, rewatching this. I'm like, this is not technically a horror movie. Like they set out saying like it is and whatever, but you're like, this is just too weird to be contained by one genre. Yeah, it's like art house, experimental, art student sort of, horror but i would call it a horror film for sure yeah it has i would say it has enough elements in it yeah to be... but it is just so quirky and weird yeah i did start to get exhausted by the end it feels like it's a million hours long it does it's only like 80 something minutes but like i mean for a long time i was just in it to win it like i was very amused but just by the end like once like the girls are floating around and like the blood and i was 
was like, can we, can we wrap this up, please? <laughs> I, I guess, uh, too, this director is very, uh, or he, he, his biggest message that carried through a lot of his other films, I don't know anything about the rest of his work because I guess he's really big in Japan and not, you know, I'm big in Japan uh, and not uh, <laughs> outside of Japan. But uh, he, he was very anti-war uh, and hence that like little segue into World War II uh, in the middle of this movie when they're telling the story of the aunt losing her, you know, mm-hmm. lost love to the war. Uh, I guess that was a common thing this director did was work in something anti-war messages or talk about World War II that was common in his work. And that's where I started to wonder if there was something with her losing her husband or boyfriend. What well, They were married, Fiance. Right? Fiance. And with Gorgeous's dad having lost her mom and then getting with the stepmom, if the aunt's spirit killed her because it's like, no, you can't forget about your lost love. Like, I wondered if that was supposed to be sort of a theme, like you can't, you can't move on from <laughs> someone, like from someone you've lost, which is not a great theme, I don't think. No, but I think therapists say that's really unhealthy. But... <laughs> but I feel like that's what it was saying. I mean, not like as an overall life lesson, but that that's kind of like what the witch, the aunt, sure. if she was a witch, something. I think it's, I think that's perfect. A curse, the curse. I did want to read to, I pulled up uh, on Criterion's website, their description of this movie, uh, which goes, how to describe Nobuhiku Obayasha's indescribable 1977 movie House as a psychedelic ghost tale, a stream of consciousness bedtime story? An episode of Scooby-Doo as directed by Mario Bava. <laughs> That's just all of those things. It's uh, yeah, it's all of those things. They do also say it. Uh, where is it? Uh, equally absurd and nightmarish house might have been beamed to Earth from some other planet. Yeah, I <laughs> would concur. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of movie, man. Where like back in my my drinking days, I would have gotten loaded and you know just totally been in entranced by something like this but even now totally sober watching it you're like woof somebody dosed me or something i don't know what's going on yeah i can't imagine having dropped acid and trying to watch this movie i loved watching movies when i was tripping everyone else didn't want to do that but i Uh loved i the one and only time i watched gone with the wind i was tripping acid um on acid and it was an amazing experience (laughs) (laughs) so gorgeous you probably felt like you were locked into that for like days too because that movie's like four fucking hours long it's so so long but it was amazing wow so yeah this i'm like i can't imagine what an experience that would have been but it still was real (laughs) trippy and i think that would have helped with the length like i think i could have gotten into it more (laughs) towards Mm -hmm. the end but but i really did i i dug it it was real real crazy and that cat man is just like iconic the image of the of blanche yeah Blanche, I love it. <laughs> that little white cat, you know, and then there, there's the portrait on the wall that starts spewing blood at the end. So great. <laughs> Again, kind of like Evil Dead, where the entire place is just full of blood. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's very Sam Raimi-esque. Uh, very, you know, see it, people. See it to believe it. That's the only way I can describe this movie. You'll never forget it. Uh, you might love it. You might hate it. You might not know what the hell to think of it, but you'll never forget it. So I wrote down two questions while watching it. One, sure. who's your favorite girl? I liked Kung Fu. 
because she's a badass. A hundred percent. That's who I say too. Straight up, because she's like from a different movie. The rest of them are like, I mean, they're all just supposed to be a different, like cliche, like fit into like, our name is our personality. Uh, but Kung Fu, at least, you know, she kicked some ass, took some names. Oh, yeah. so Especially like once it. she was just in her underwear, like still kicking ass. Like I just loved it. She's walking around her panties, just like yeah. whooping, whooping butt. Just like Ripley and Alien. Just, yeah. Yep. I think I find that so sexy. Yeah. Um, and my second question is, do you think it was scary when it came out? Like, do you think when you, if you saw this in the theater, when it came out, you would have been scared? You know, I don't, I don't know. Cause it's like very <laughs> not scary, but this is like, it's got weird shit in it and some cool kills, but it's like not frightening. Like it doesn't make me jump or, you know, I'm not checking under my bed for Blanche, you know, after yeah. watching this movie. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe to kids, maybe, you know, teenagers and preteens, which apparently is who they aimed this movie at in Japan. So interesting. Yeah, but it was a good watch. I'm so glad to, to have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never forget it. I so sure won't. How many demon cats out of five? I give it three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. So this is. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. Uh, so I'm sitting here thinking the other day that as I watched this, uh, on the one hand, I feel like I could give this movie five stars just because of how unforgettable and crazy it is. On the other hand, I'm like, I could give this zero stars because it barely functions as a movie and it's just a giant what the fuck. Uh, so my initial thought was the rating is NA, not applicable uh, because... <laughs> You just need to watch it. That is, that's a cop out. But I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it three. Okay. okay. I give it three. Yeah, split I give it difference. three and a half just for its um, chutzpah. That's a mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. Um, I give it, and just for being so fucking out there and so weird, but also like enjoyable. Like it wasn't infuriating or frustrating. Mm-mm. You're along for the ride. It's like the weirdest Disney ride you're ever on, you know? Yeah, it so, truly is an experimental film. Avant-garde, for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. But thanks for sharing. Yeah, I'm glad I could finally bring somebody else into the madness. <laughs> and I've been wanting to for a long time. Some of these flicks I, I plan on giving you down the road to are just because I need somebody else to talk to about the movie. Uh, because there's plenty I've seen that like other people are like, I don't know what that is. And like, oh, great. Well, I got to get it out there. Before we move on, I know that there's another Asian. I don't know if it's horror, but I feel it's um, adjacent. And all I know of it is the cover almost looks like the sound of music. Like it's a bunch, like a family or a group of people like coming over uh, like a hilltop, smiling. Yeah, I know the movie. Um, I think that's The Happiness of the Katakuris. I was thinking Happiness was in the title. Yes. Have you ever seen that? I have seen bits of it. Um, Okay. That's uh, Takeshi Mika. Oh. Uh, uh, did that one, you know, Who did uh, Ichi, Ichi the, the killer? killer. Yeah. Ichi the okay. killer okay. audition, audition, mm. um, a handful. Takeshi Mika has got to be one of the most prolific directors that's ever lived. Uh, seriously. Cause when you pull up his filmography as a director, there, it says like, Oh, he's directed like over a hundred movies. Wow. Or something like that. Yeah. He makes like several a year. 
Uh, and a lot of them are only really known in the Japanese market. Uh, and you have like Audition or Ichi the Killer that becomes a hit outside of Japan, but uh, those aren't as common as the million other movies he's made in Japan. Happiness of the Katakuris uh, was one of those more obscure ones that I think is finding a cult following in the West now. Cool. I'm going to have to... Um, it's similar. To... I would say it's uh, in the same vein as House. It's fucking okay. weird. That's what uh, I've heard. It's fucking weird. All right. Well, let's shift gears. Let's go online and talk about Cam. Let's log in. Let's, All right. let's, let's, uh, I feel like I should tip you. That noise got, <laughs> that did. noise got stuck in my head. So the letterbox, uh, summary is a young cam girl discovers that she's inexplicably been replaced on her site with an exact replica of herself. The end. Wow. A lot, <laughs> a lot less words than house's description. <laughs> yes. Uh, cam, 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 not about somebody named Cameron. <laughs> that was nope. strike one. I was disappointed. I wish I would have been your whole summary because you would have been totally off. But you also said about cam girls and one gets murdered during a show and people see it, which that's not wholeheartedly wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, I, uh, I got the opening scene right when, <laughs> yep. when she kills herself. I thought that opening scene was really cool or uh, it's like, okay, it's a cam girl doing a cam girl show and then and she seems to kill herself. I was like, that's pretty cool fake out in the beginning. I love that opening. I just yeah. think it's, the tension really builds. That was cool. But then for a minute, I'll be honest, I was kind of bored and having to, the, the movie takes a while to get going, uh, or at least it felt like it, because um, then you get the cam girl drama, and I was just like, I'm honestly not checking into this at all. They're creating character, Jeremy. I know. It's the thing that you're not as crazy about as I am. I was like, <laughs> oh man, they're just doing a lot of talking and it's their cam girl drama. She's got to be number one. <laughs> all right, all right. But then when the mystery doppelganger appears, uh, I was much more interested and that kept my attention uh, for sure. Because uh, that was a good hook. And then it just kept twisting and twisting because going into it you didn't know that was gonna happen you didn't watch no, a trailer or anything like that nothing i had no idea what this was even about i was like i didn't even realize it was a netflix original uh because i was initially looking around for it on like other sites and i'm like oh it's on netflix oh doy uh so uh and blumhouse yeah just they really just crank out these slick i'll give it that the movie is very slick and she is so good i think she is just I, I love her. I, I I care about her. Like I, the director and the the screenwriter, because she used to be a cam girl. Mm -hmm. um, Issa Maze, I believe is how you pronounce her name. She used to be a cam girl, so lots of this comes from her own experiences. I I did read about the because uh, I was like, God, what a fucking perv. The uh, the cops, the scene where she goes to the oh, cops. I hate that scene. Uh, and and the first, the, well, the first guy is just totally dismissive, and then the other right. guy is like hitting on her, um, which I then read online. She said that actually happened to her, or like happened to uh, colleagues of hers. Uh, that you know, going to the just wasn't something you did because they just sexually harassed you too or uh treated you like a prostitute so yeah i i really appreciated the take on the life of sex workers and, and in particular the one that we're watching mm -hmm. um alice and i i just found it 
fascinating and like that it didn't seem like exploitative and I just thought it felt very honest. I really cared for her. Um, and I, I appreciated that. And I, I'm like, oh, it's directed by a man. After I watched some interviews, I'm pretty sure he's a gay man. Um, mm-hmm. And the most interesting thing about the director was that he cammed some to prepare for directing the movie. He himself oh, wow. did some sessions. That's made some no serious money. research. It serious is. Research. But like, I, I'm like, good for you. Like to just have an idea of what it's like. I, I think that's so fascinating. And they, they just talk about in some of these interviews, what you put into this persona that you're like trying to make your career with, that you're trying to gain numbers, like, and that it, the story would have translated to someone with a YouTube channel or an Instagram account. Like the story would be the exact same as someone who's just trying to make it big. You start to sort of lose yourself in what identity you are, which is sort of what the movie is about, like this sort of fracture in your identity. Yeah. The the whole like cam thing too, uh, for me, it, it's weird to see because you're like, I guess that is a whole thing because I'm so like, I have no idea. Never something I ever, you know, traversed those uh, waters out there. Everything I know is secondhand. You listen to enough because uh, I was thinking about listening to like morning shows. Uh, driving into work on my morning commute, the morning zoo, like Dave and Chuck the Freak and whatever. Uh, but they would talk to these types of people all the time where, you know, they'd do a story uh, and then be like, if you're a cam worker, you know, call in. Like, you know, they had so many uh, different types of people depending on the story they were doing or what avenue they are pursuing. And you'd hear, you know, uh, this movie seems like the kinds of stuff you hear about out there from people that are calling in and telling their story. So I, I thought it was interesting because it is like a, I don't know where I'm going with this rambling <laughs> mess, but it's, it, it's, it's one of those avenues that it's just so common, but there's not a lot of media dissecting it. Uh, you know what I mean? Other than the media themselves, like they're living their cam life, but there's not a lot of movies or shows or shit. I mean, they're starting to be now because people are realizing, oh crap, this is a whole uh, way of living where people make a living and connect she, with people and she bought a four thousand dollar couch like it was nothing yeah and i was like god damn maybe i should do a camp show i don't know that's <laughs> uh, i'm watching this like is that is that what w- you need to do to make the moolah but um and the biggest inspirations for it were black swan and videodrome i can see videodrome and i haven't seen it um i like black swan but i don't care about natalie portman's character in it like i care about alice in this movie like I yeah. find her a little cold, like the whole movie's cold. Whereas this one, I, I really care about her and like, I'm with her on this journey. I'm like, oh my God, she's got to figure this out. And when her family finds out and things, shit's going down, like I, oh, I feel most, for her. Most uncomfortable birthday party ever. <laughs> that scene made me so uncomfortable. It's when... interesting though, that her brother like knows about it, like in advance. Yeah. Like she told him, but it's like just that that fact of all of his friends finding out and yeah, yeah, that and her was... mom finding out. But I like that her mom comes around and is like, "I watched him, and you're actually really good at this," and is like supportive of her. Yeah. Speaking of Videodrome, and, and that's where I could see this was a movie to me where again, kind of questioning the horror aspect of it. Like, is this scary? Because I didn't find this movie like nothing scared me in a way that I just think it's a thriller. Yeah, it's definitely more in the thriller vein. Uh one thing I had started thinking about 
too was I might have liked the premise, but like this movie to me at times, probably budget constraints and you know, this was, I'm sure this wasn't a huge movie. I didn't look up the budget, but I'm sure it was not like a giant, you know, uh, millions and millions of dollars. Uh, but this felt like almost a, uh, uh, like a demo for like a bigger idea. Uh, like if they had gone in a harder science fiction direction, uh, especially when you're getting into these doppelgangers, like what are they? Why is it happening? You, you could go in some Blade Runner ghost in the shell territory there with the nature of the internet and AI and all that. Cause that's what I was trying to figure out. What the fuck exactly are the doppelgangers? Like, why is that happening? Uh, and I kind of appreciate that. You don't yeah, ever really know, but mm -hmm. they kind of talk about in some of these interviews that it's like, it's the algorithms are used against you. Like they talk about, um, and some of these interviews about, you know, you're talking about going golfing and all of a sudden there's golfing shit in your yeah. feed and stuff like that. But that, and they also talk about this thing I never heard about, which are called deep fakes. Yes. Where you can like take someone's face and you like with our technology now, they, you can make videos of like you doing something, but on someone else's body and it looks real or like celebrities, mm -hmm. they do it with celebrities a lot. Oh yeah, I've seen a whole documentary about it. It's crazy. Have you? The, yeah, the technology for deep fakes. It's scary. And there is a deleted scene where it goes into it further and Alice finds out that it is an algorithm and she finds like a whole bunch of like servers, like it dives into it a little bit more. Um, and it, it like looked over all of her hundreds of hours of videos and it created this content to attract people without having to use her. Yeah, see, this is the sci-fi boy in me because I'm like, that is awesome. Like, put that in there because it's this whole idea that, you know, uh, the internet is just an accumulation of all, like, information ever. Uh, and you hear people talk about the idea, like, what if it, if, uh, if artificial intelligence is going to happen, it'll probably happen spontaneously and it would be something like on the internet, an algorithm, you know, something like that starts uh, uh, propagating itself uh, under its own direction. Uh, and then that, that's it. Then we've created artificial intelligence and uh, the Terminator takes over and kills us all. You know, that's... This is definitely like an episode of Black Mirror. Have you? Yes, yes, it did, is. Have you seen Nosedive with Bryce Dallas Howard? No, no, not. It's brilliant. It's definitely one of my favorites. I probably have like four that I like go between. Like this one's my mm -hmm. favorite. No, it's this one's my favorite. But I love Nosedive mostly for Bryce Dal Dallas Howard's um, performance. It's so good, but it's very, has a similar vibe. Like she's trying to get likes and that gives you a different score and that mm. score reflects so much of what happens in your life. And she's constantly trying to be at the top. And when things start to go downhill, like her life just falls apart. Mm -hmm. And I feel, I mean, we didn't say this earlier, but spoilers now, um, if not spoilers already, <laughs> but I love that at the end of this, she goes, it's not like she deletes the account and is like, I'm never doing that again. It's not like a cautionary tale to like, you better not be a cam girl because your life's going to turn to shit. Mm -hmm. I like to believe that when she goes back and she's 
Eve bot, which I think has some symbolicness for like starting back at the beginning, like Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. I think that I like to think that she goes back and she's there to make money, but she's not there to be number one or to be in the top 50 that she's sort of learned this lesson of like, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't need to be so concerned with that. I just need to do my cool creative shows. Like I want to and make a living, but I don't have to be obsessed with that Mm -hmm. as much as I was. I feel like that's where the disassociation in her personality, where the split happens, where she's so consumed with getting above 50. Yeah, I w- I didn't know what to make of the ending, because um, it's vague enough that I was oh, okay. She's going back on. I thought she is. Is this happening to other girls? Is there a ton of them out there? Like we know it happened to other girls, but like are a whole bunch of them like dead? I guess because some of them are dead people, uh, and you know have a video of them. So that's what I was wondering: was is she getting in there to like fuck up? the machine, whatever, you know, matrix style, like take it to the algorithm that is uh, replacing humans. Um, who knows? I love all those questions. Yeah, there's so many questions. Cause that's what I thought too. Is like somehow, or she's gonna create another one is Eve bot, it's a new personality and Eve bot's gonna become a new thing out there, but it's not her. So she doesn't have to, you know, it's, it's a different, if it copies Eve bot, that's a different person. It's not her per se, because she put on a disguise and whatever. So it's like yeah. she's creating a new human. I don't know. It's it's trippy. <laughs> it really, really is. Mm-hmm. So out of five tokens, how many Ooh. tokens do you give it? So see now I'm stewing on it. Earlier on Letterboxd, I think I threw up like a two and a half. Um, cause I was like, I like it. It was good, but as it didn't blow me away and it felt like there's ideas in here that I didn't think were, again, like I said, I wanted some more harder science fiction stuff like that deleted scene should have pursued that. Uh, but you know, I think like three, I think, okay. it's, it's a, I think it's a solid three. This was one of those movies too, though, where I like questioned my own enjoyment or like my level of enjoyment. Cause I went on rotten tomatoes. Uh, and looked at the scores. And this is one of those movies where critical scores, it's like got a 93%. I was like, wow, critics fucking love this. Uh, like, why don't I love it as much? Like, what's going on here? And then the audience score, though, is like 54. Yeah, I find those are the movies that I tend to like. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so this is a movie that's like, okay, it's divisive. Kind of like Hereditary, where critics yeah. fucking loved it and the audiences hated it. Uh, I was like, okay, this is a movie that I guess critics really enjoyed it. And then audiences, I don't know why. Who knows why it got such middling. Because uh, I started reading user reviews and it wasn't really giving me any insight other than a lot of people just being like, it was okay. Like not really <laughs> insightful. So I was like, huh, I wonder what that was about. I give it four, which is what I gave it when I first watch it, watched mm-hmm. it back in the day. Um, so it didn't wane at all. It didn't like diminish. Um, I did like a little bit more, but not enough to give it more. More stars. This is one of those movies too, where I feel like I can already tell this is going to marinate in my brain for a while where uh, sometimes I watch something and it's over and I'm like, huh, it was a movie. Okay, whatever. And then I find myself a week later, you know, days later, a week later, it starts. I'm still thinking about the themes in the movie and scenes from it. 
and it starts to come up again. So this, I can, I can already sense that uh, after us talking about it, this might be something I revisit in the future, or at least uh, I'll probably go down rabbit holes on the internet of about the making of this movie. And I want more information on there. And speaking of rabbit holes, I love that her name's Alice. And oh, yeah. all the Alice in Wonderland references, like the Mad Hatter, Mr. Yep. Teapot, because it definitely is like sort of that going down the rabbit hole. And yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on in this like alternate universe? And then, well, I guess not Alice in Wonderland, but still Disney <laughs> related is the one guy was, you know, named after Tinkerbell. So, yeah. Uh, and he was a creep. God. He is. He's on one of my all-time favorite shows, which is called Everything Sucks. It was one season on Netflix. Oh, okay. So sweet and wonderful on that show, but such a creep here. He's so creepy. I was like, I fucking hate this dude. But like watching it for the first time, you may have wondered like at that point when she spots him, like, is this going to be like a a stalker movie? Like if you don't know. I I thought something was going on there. Um, Yeah, this was too a movie where the doppelganger first showed up and I totally thought it was just going to be somebody stole her identity and not go in this hard, you know, the sci-fi weird angle of it where I was, I was like, yeah, it's just a, just a regular crazy stalker (laughs) movie, but pleasantly surprised by that twist. Yeah, I dig it. And I just think that Madeline Brewer is so awesome. I, I think I only know her from Orange is the New Black, but I think she's in Handmaid's Tale, which I've not seen. Both um, series I have not seen, so I have no clue who she is. Yeah, love her. Love her. Well, terrific. Well, another fun week. Did yeah. you come up with the connection between the two? I kind of forgot. Other than they're both just about young ladies. And like dealing with fucked up alternate universes kind of yeah kind of that's the closest i came up with it's young ladies in peril (laughs) it's what (laughs) both of these are about very general uh and they're a little bit of head fucks because i think not cam not as severely as uh as house but yeah on the heels of house for sure there's a little little bit of head fuckery at the end so yeah sure yeah head fuckery There there you go well, cool. Well, thanks, Jeremy. This is fun. And thank you for a pleasant experience. Yes. And please um, write us, tell us what you thought of these movies. Tell us what you think of any movies. We want to know. Yeah, um, any, whatever. Any yeah, movies. whatever. Ask we us if we, what we think. Yeah. Scaring and sharing at gmail.com or Instagram, scaring and sharing. Do it. Do it. Do it now. <laughs> <laughs> and until next week, we'll talk to you soon. Yep, keep sharing the scares. Watch the horror movies. Just do it. Because scaring is sharing. And that's it, folks. Bye.